0: And now, enjoy this free Jason Modcast show. Hey there, this is Ralph Garman, and you are listening to the World of Mythbits. You made an excellent
1: choice. The World
0: of Mythbits.
1: Hey everybody, welcome to the world of MythBits. I am your host, as always, Stephanie Bardi, and welcome to episode 30, the big three oh. God, I barely remember my 30s. Ah, yeah, episode 30, and I'm recording this on Mother's Day. You'll hear this tomorrow, which is the day after, and I just want to say happy Mother's Day to all the Moms out there and all the dads having to do double duty, um, by choice or by circumstance and sending out big hugs and love to all of those missing their moms. Um, it's not an easy time of, uh, it's not an easy day. I can, I can tell you that it's not an easy day. It was a good day for me in the sense that I got things done. And I had a lovely dinner prepared by my hubby and my daughter brushed my hair and, and, um, rubbed my shoulders for me. And I got a happy Mother's Day from my oldest boy. I didn't hear from my middle son. My middle son and I don't speak. So there was good and bad for Mother's Day, but, um, I got to to wish my mom a happy Mother's Day. And I know a lot of people out there, a lot of my close friends, um, I spoke to at least five of them today, just sending them all loves and hugs because I know today is a rough day because it reminds them of what they've lost. And I know a lot of kids out there are hurting because, you know. But, uh yeah, so... I am coming to you from the big comfy bed, as always, and I have the sweetest smelling sheets because it was so windy out today, and it was cloudy. It was only about 59 degrees, but there was a heck of a wind, and all I could see in my head were my sheets flapping on my clothesline, and guess where they went? Out on that clothesline, and they were flapping in the breeze, and they just smell so good. Oh my... Hey! Hey! What the... Let you in here? Who? Who let? Security. Security. No! Stop! Let go of me! Let go! Of, let go of me! What are you doing? Let go! Ah! He's coming for you. He's coming for you.
0: He's coming for you. He's coming for you. <laughs> interrupt your regularly scheduled podcast for this important announcement from the Mythmaster. master why hello stephanie i'm sure you think that you could get away scot-free even though you called me a chicken <coughs> on your podcast. well don't you worry i've got something very special just for you and normally i don't let my emotions get into the mix I am going to unleash all of hell's fury on you. I will do every devious thing I have within my power to make you squirm. You see, I've waited quite a long time for revenge. And let me tell you something. There's no one who can give a surprise better than the Mythmaster. Don't you worry. Your time will come. And when it does, I'm not quite sure there'll be anything left of you to tell the story. Perhaps you'll be a war to all those dare to cross me. Until next time, this is the Myth Master.
1: Hey, 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 ah! Oh, get in, in the cage. In the cage. Get in the cage. Stay. Okay. Huh? Now that I have regained control of my podcast, good lord, who let him in here? I'm gonna have to speak to security. He's just letting people in robes and goofy scary-looking, just running around willy-nilly. Good heavens. Huh. Threaten me, will ya? Huh. Yeah, you just sit over there in that cage and... Put that down. Put that down. Good boy. You see? He is well-behaved when he wants to be. Anyway, let's carry on. I might have some use for him later, but we'll see. So, how's everybody's week been? And had any strange break-ins like me? And just showing up in my boudoir? What? Anyway. Oh, yes, I'm a little perturbed, to say the least. So, as I was saying, this is episode 30, 3-0. I've been at this 30 times. I can't say 30 weeks because there were weeks that I missed. I mean, I've done 30 weeks, obviously, because I've done 30 episodes. But it hasn't been 30 consecutive weeks. So, yeah. Um... Two more days until the deadline for our May issue of the World of Myth magazine. Oh, excuse me. You'll have to have to bear with me. I'm a little gassy. It was such a it was a very delicious dinner. It was a lot of it. <laughs> so pardon me. Um, anyway, as I was saying, we have um, two days left until three days left. Sorry, three days left. My bad. Three days left. No, two days left. Two day. The 15th. (laughs) The 15th is the deadline for um the World of Myth magazine submissions. And you can go over to www.theworldofmyth.com and click on the submissions. Read through the guidelines. And then at the bottom, it'll say... To submit, contact Managing Editor, click the words Managing Editor, and that'll take you right to my email, or send your, read through the guidelines, always read through the guidelines, and then you can send your submissions directly to S-T-E-P-H-A-N-I-E-B-A-R-D-Y at theworldofmyth.com. That's Stephanie Bardy at theworldofmyth.com. I'm really, the webmaster threw me for a loop because now I'm having a really hard time coming up with things to talk about. Good heavens. <sighs> that and I'm, I'm podcasting a lot earlier than I normally do. So I haven't had a whole lot of time to think about things. And, you know, I usually do the podcast right before I go to bed, which I'm pretty sure drives Dave Batty, because I send it to him in like, you know, the 11th hour. <laughs> and he's gotta, I, I get it all ready for him and I send it to him as an MP3 and, but he's gotta get it all scheduled and ready for release on Monday. So I'm pretty sure. Ah! Oh! All right. Ah! Technical. Dif- We're having technical difficulties here. Nope, Mythmaster is still in his cage, so it's not him. It's my toes this time, actually. Caught the cord, and the phone went flying, and the earpiece went flying, and it was, I was doing, you know, odd positions that I'm surprised I can bend into. Um, that has to be a result of my working out, because I, when I was working in the yard today, um, I had a lot more stamina and a lot more energy than I normally do. And as I was raking, normally my arms get really, really tired really, really quickly. Um, and I have to like keep taking breaks and I get wind, I used to get winded really easily. And that would be my excuse to go and sit in my chair and have a smoke and have a drink of water and, you know, carry on. Well, I don't smoke cigarettes anymore. So I wasn't getting as winded, so I could go a lot further. My arms—I'm building up strength in my arms, so they didn't get sore as quickly. So that was that was really nice, and uh, I was doing a lot of of um, leg work while I was outside, and my legs weren't getting sore. So it was. I'm sorry. I heard somebody coming up the stairs. I was making sure I wasn't going to be invaded by any more strange visitors. Don't get excited. Sit down, Mythmaster. Sit down. Um, so, yeah, I've got a lot of yard work done. I got um, my backyard cairn, um, C-A-I-R-N. Google it. Uh, just easier to say. My backyard altar. Um, it's where I make offerings to my ancestors, to the land spirits, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. Um, I mean, it's not blah, 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 yada, 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 but for those that don't follow the same path, it's, you wouldn't really understand. Um, we have it outside in the backyard and I got that all cleaned up today and, and all of the little pieces put on it and the quarterstones all set back where they belong. Cause my husband moves them in the winter time because he snowblows. He take, we have a blower cause we get, you know, a zillion feet of snow and my dog is a wimp. So my husband will take the snowblower and blow him a trail all the way down the backyard. So he can still do his run and, you know, explore and do what he does. Um, so he has to move the stones over because they're in the way of where the snowblower would go. So I had to put those back and I have what I call a fairy circle that it started as a fairy mound. It was just this mound of wildflowers that just kind of sprouted up in the, off to the side of my yard. It's kind of in the middle of the very back of my yard. I don't know where and it's only the one spot and, um, it, It's probably about, I'd say it's about uh, four feet across. And it's a complete circle. And there weren't any flowers growing anywhere other than in this circle. So last year, it was getting a little unruly. (laughs) So I took some old, uh, we had, we used to have a walkway that would go from our front porch straight through the middle of our front yard to the sidewalk. Well, we don't have a sidewalk anymore. We took that out the first year we moved in because, I mean, it broke up our front yard and it looked ridiculous. So we took it out. So I used some of the broken up cement from that and some rocks, big, huge rocks that we found when we were digging up our gardens years and years and years ago. And it's probably about four feet tall. And it's oh sorry, uh, bleh, that's the 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 Karen the fairy circle, so i I took these the leftover ones and I went around the outside of the, the mound with these stones to kind of keep it contained and A couple of years ago, my friend Dana was up, and um she's looking at it, and she's like, that looks like wild oregano." Like, what? She goes, that's wild oregano. So now, in amongst the lupine and the thistle, um, and I think the squirrels have added um, a lily or two, because <laughs> I have lilies that sprout up in the middle now, I also have wild oregano, which, because now that I have it enclosed, the dog doesn't pee on anymore. Not that it matters. You rinse it off, you're good to go. You know, you're going to cook with it. Eh, eh, whatever. Um, I mean, if you honestly think about it, birds poop on your fruit and on your vegetables. And bugs crawl over them. You still eat them. You wash them off, you eat them. So, yeah. Um, now that it's enclosed, I take the oregano in the fall. Well, I do it throughout the summer. I print it back throughout the summer once it's fully grown. And I dry it, and I grind it up, and we have fresh ground wild oregano to cook with it's great oh and you only because it's wild it's not store-bought and it's grown fresh in my backyard um you only need a little bit to flavor like a spaghetti sauce or um a dip or put on fish or pork chops or whatever you just need a little bit for that flavor it is so... Oh, for heaven's sakes. What? Ugh. All right. Hold on. <sighs> Mythmaster Master is getting a little rangy. I don't know if you can hear that. He's over there clapping his hands and getting all excited because I did say I'd have something for him to do. So we're going to let him speak. You will speak and then you will shush. Okay. I'm really excited now. All right.
0: I means no, I have to... Oh,
1: there the okay, we go.
0: And I'd like to announce that Steve Carr is also the next contestant in the Open Contract Challenge. Congratulations, Steven.
1: <laughs> okay, so he jumped the gun a little bit. But carrying on from last week when I announced the first two contestants... Steve Carr is the next contestant being announced this week. Sit down. Is being announced this week. And later on in the show, I will announce the second contestant for this week. Because as I said last week, I'm announcing two contestants each week. Until all the contestants are announced. Mythmaster got to announce one this week, so. Hopefully that's enough of a bone to throw to him that he's happy and quiet in his little cage now. Take over my show, will ya? I'll show you. Yeah, you know, sit over there in that cage. You are, I'm telling you. Anyway, so, yeah, I have wild oregano growing in my backyard. And hopefully we'll get the trees all topped along the natural tree line. Because they're getting a little tall and we don't get as much sunshine in my backyard as we used to that I need for um my vegetable garden. I'm not a big flower grower. I'm not a big fan of flowers. Um I don't unless they're medicinal flowers like chamomile or um comfrey or um things like that. I have soapwort that I grow, and sage, and um, I had a Vicks plant. It's called Vicks plant, because it smells like Vicks VapoRub. It was fantastic. It didn't survive the first winter. And I grow eucalyptus, and thyme, and, um, like, flowers with a purpose. I'm not a roses, I can't stand the smell of roses. It gives me a headache. But um, all the flowers in my front garden are what people would consider nuisance flowers. I have two that are viny, and I'm trying to get them to grow up the two trellises that I have. And then I have ones that I've just transplanted from around my yard that the squirrels have planted the bulbs and they've sprouted up. And i all right, dig that up, put that in the front yard. Um, I have, they're, they're violas and they're really pretty. And I have them in abundance in my backyard, all along the tree line, all along the fence line, anywhere there's shade, these things grow, which is perfect because my entire front yard is in shade because I have a huge 300 to 350 year old, maybe even older, maple tree right in the corner of my front yard. So it completely shades my front yard and the front half of my house. It's great in the summer. And then I have a huge one in the backyard that's probably about 200, 250 years old. And it shades the back half of my house. So my house is usually pretty cool. I don't have use for central air. And yeah, I know you people in the southern states and and places like California and Georgia and all that are going, oh my God, oh you don't know what heat is. You got to have central air down here. I've lived in the southern U.S., okay? And I've been in your 110, 112 degree weather where it's 195% humidity, like you step outside and you're completely soaking wet, and breathing water. Been there, done that. Still didn't need air conditioning. All I need is a good fan to blow air on me. I will sit. Actually, there was one time I was on the Black Warrior River in Alabama staying at my friend Barbara and Mary's place. And they had an old paddle wheeler called uh, the Raven something. And I lived on it. And they had a barge, a flat barge, car barge, that they would push with this paddle wheeler. And, I mean, the paddle wheeler only went six miles an hour to begin with. And then when you attach the barge, it went like four. Well, I would sit on this barge in the blazing sun getting a heck of a tan. Let me tell you, I tan really, really well. Getting a heck of a tan fishing for catfish. Because once you've experienced, like fishing for catfish in Ontario is fun, but it's not the same as fishing for southern catfish. These catfish mean business, all right? Like a bass or a trout or a perch will come up and they'll be like, ding,
0: ding, 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 ding,
1: on your line. And you know there's a fish there. And you know that they are nibbling on your bait. And you just got to wait for that right moment when you think they're close enough. And then, wink and reel them in. A southern catfish will be coming up the stream or up the river or the lake at 50 miles an hour and just take your bait as he carries on going 50 miles an hour. If you're not hanging on to your fishing rod. You will lose your rod. Ask me how I know. And then they will fight you. They will fight you because they don't want to be caught. So they will fight you tooth and nail To not be reeled in. So you gotta set your drag so that when they do shoot off, your line goes with them a bit. You don't want them to get too far away, but you gotta set your drag so that they have a bit of pull. They can go. Because if you don't, they'll snap your line, you'll lose your fish. Guaranteed. Every time. So you let them go and then you reel them in. Then you let them go and you reel them in a bit more and you let them go. And it'll take, it can take you upwards of 20 to 30 minutes. Took me 45 minutes once to reel in a catfish. And this catfish was only like two pounds. I was kind of disappointed by the time I got him reeled in. He was itty bitty. Dude, what the? After all that, took me all that. I'm soaking wet with sweat. I'm huffing and puffing. I'm done, and you're two pounds. Two pounds. That was it. Just two pounds. That was it. You're okay. But yeah, I like cat fishing for southern catfish because they they make fishing fun. It's it makes it interesting, and you have to work for it, and it's. Quite an achievement when you finally get that fish on shore. You're like, yes! Got you! <laughs> um, but I just, I love fishing in general. I am an outdoor girl. I would much rather be hiking through the bush, riding four-wheelers, mudding, fishing, what is it Luke Bryan says? Loving, fishing, hunting every day. Yeah, that's me. Just throw on a baseball cap, Pair of shoes because I don't own cowboy boots. I know, I know, I know, I know, but I don't own cowboy boots, but I don't ride horses, so I don't really need them. Um, yeah, I would just much rather be fishing. I could fish all day for hours, just sit there, not even catch anything. I mean, it's fun when you catch something and it makes it, you know, worthwhile but I'm quite content to shoot my line out there and just watch that red and white bobber in the water going up and down, doing its thing, hoping to catch something. My husband doesn't like fishing with me because usually when we go fishing, I catch all the fish. And he doesn't. We have this competition when we go fishing. And he doesn't, we don't sit side by side and fish and, and, you know, do the romantic thing. No, he goes down a ways, get away from me, go down there. You go fish your spot, I'll fish my spot. And sometimes we can't even hear see each other. We can hear each other, but we can't see each other. So we'll be fishing and all of a sudden you'll hear a, one, two. <laughs> and we're counting out how many we've caught. And it still counts if you have to throw them back. If you reel it in and it makes it to your hand, whether you unhook it and throw it back or you keep it, It still counts as a caught fish. So I have outfished him. And I was very proud of that fact until two years ago, we took our granddaughter. She was four at the time. We took her fishing. We introduced her to fishing. We got her a fishing rod. We got her her own tackle box. We got her own tackle and her own little fishing hat, which was actually her papa's hat. And off we went. We took her fishing to this really quiet spot. Not a lot of people around. We were the only ones around, actually. And we knew that this particular spot had um, a family of otters living there. So we were kind of hoping that she'd be able to see the otters, too. Which she did. They came running right along our feet. She thought that was the greatest thing. So we sit her down with her little Elsa and Anna frozen fishing rod. I mean, it's no bigger than a nice fishing rod. And sit her down on the rock and put a little bit of worm on her hook and get her bobber set and cast her line out. And before we can even get our stuff ready, Amma Ama, something's pulling on my line. And I look over and sure enough, the end of her rod is dip, 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 dip. Okay, well, reel it in. And she reels in a sunfish the size of her head. All right. Yay. Okay, Lizzie caught the first catch. Awesome. So... That's how the day went. She proceeded to catch, I think, eight or nine sunfish. I was pulling in catfish. I got about four or five catfish. So she got eight or nine sunfish. And then she's sitting beside me. It's getting to the end of the day. And we've just had our our lunch and we're having our snack while we're fishing. And... I'm casting over into the lily pads and the reeds, hoping to catch something other than a catfish. And she's pulling in sunfish, and she's sitting there, and she gets really, really quiet. So I look down at her. I'm like, Lizzie, are you okay? Uh-huh, she says. Are you sure? Do you have a fish? I think so. But it's pulling a lot. It feels heavier. than. What was it she said? It feels... Heavier than the other ones. What? And you're sitting there so calmly and quietly? Well, reel it in. So she reels it in and she's fighting with it. And I mean, her line, her rod is almost bent in half. And I'm thinking she's going to break this thing. Kid pulls in a three pound, four pound catfish on a kid's fishing rod. And then she pulled in two more. So yeah, she seriously outfished us that day. And She would get close to the sunfish so we could take a picture. She would stand beside it and kind of hold the line. Catfish, no. Uh, We had to bribe her to at least stand beside her papa, who held the catfish, because she didn't want to go anywhere near that ugly-looking thing. Nope. Nope. But she was so proud of herself. And now, and that was two years ago. She's six now. And every time she comes up for the summer we got to take her fishing. She's got to go fishing. She has a love for fishing now. And she'll eat fish. She likes to eat the fish. And that's how I got my nephews to eat. Um, they would only eat green beans. They wouldn't try yellow beans. They wouldn't try purple beans. And they were at my house one weekend. And we have a huge garden. And we grow three different kinds of beans and peas and radishes and carrots and... Um, peppers and tomatoes and okra, and we tried cabbage and we tried cauliflower and they didn't go real well. We tried lettuce. The rabbits and the squirrels love that. Um, we have blackberries and blueberries and raspberries and gooseberries and elderberries and so they like coming to my house because they get to go outside into the garden. So I had them out there with me the one day and we were harvesting because a lot of stuff was, you know, like beans you can harvest throughout the entire summer. So they were out there helping me pick beans. And my oldest nephew, he uh, pulls off one. He says, this one's purple. Said, well, yeah, it's really, really good. Try it. I don't, know, I don't like green beans. Okay, well, it tastes the same as a green bean. Brush it off snap the ends off, give it a try. So he did. And now, ever since then, this was about four years ago, ever since then, his mom has to grow purple beans in her garden now. (laughs) The funniest experience, though, I call burgundy beans, I call purple beans the idiot-proof bean. You cannot overcook these beans. The only way you can overcook these beans is if you are not paying attention and you just let them boil for, like, two hours. Because these are literally idiot-proof beans. I have a tendency to overboil things. So I'm the idiot that is the proof that these are idiot-proof beans. You put them in the pot and you've got your purple beans, your yellow beans, and your green beans. Now yellow beans, when you cook them, they stay yellow. Green beans, when you cook them, they stay green. Purple beans, when you cook them, when they're cooked to perfection, they turn green. It's amazing. Lizzie's mom didn't know that. So harvested the beans from the garden, decided to have some of them with dinner. And this is when she lived with us. Lizzie was only about two at the time. And (laughs) we've got all the dinners ready. And we would, like it's always set up on the stove and on the counter. And you go and you fill your plate and then you come and you sit down. So She's standing at the bean pot and she's got her fork and she's, she's going through it and she's going through it. She had a, Tabby, what are you looking for? She's, I'm looking for the purple beans. Oh, honey, they're green. But if you want the burgundy beans, they're darker green than the green beans. They're greener than the green beans. Oh, we had a good laugh about that. Yeah. We had a lot of good laughs when, uh, my granddaughter and my adopted daughter lived here with us. Um, Good laughs and a scary moment. My granddaughter almost killed my husband. She is a hoot. She has a personality that is bigger than she is. And she has been this way since she was born. Always making goofy faces. She's just herself. And we were at the dinner table one night. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we used to do this thing. You would look at her and you'd go, Lizzie, look at the light. And she would look straight up at the light in the ceiling. And then she would bring her eyes down. She wouldn't bring her head down, but she'd bring her eyes down. And she'd look at us. And if we weren't looking at the light with her, she'd get mad. She'd like, hey. So we'd have to look at the light too. And then um we did it the one night. And I can't remember because it was a traumatic experience for me. I can't remember exactly what it was that she did. Oh, I know what it was. Um, we were, because she would speak in this really weird demon-like voice. Like you would talk to her. and a- Hi, Lizzie. How are you? <laughs> you know, kind of waiting for her to do the little exorcist thing. And so we're an odd family. So we were teaching her how to do red rum from The Shining with her finger. And she would red rum, red rum, red rum, with her little finger. And my husband looked at her one night and she said, Lizzie, do you know what that means? And she looked at him, no word of a lie, straight-faced, serious as can be, looked right at her papa and went, murder? Oh, well, he bust out laughing so hard and... Unfortunately, when my husband really, really gets laughing, he tends to start coughing and he loses his breath, which he did. He started coughing. So he stood up and he walked over to the counter and he's kind of hanging on to the counter and he's facing the counter. So I can't see him, but I can hear him and he's coughing out, but he's not taking any air in. And then I saw his legs wobble and I knew he was going down. He was going down and I ran over to him. I couldn't catch him because he's three times my size. But I could kind of cushion his fall to the floor. I gracefully helped him fall. (laughs) is basically what I did. And got him onto his back. And that's when I realized he wasn't breathing at all. So I start pounding on his chest. I'm screaming at Tabby to call 911. She is frozen in spot. And I'm still pounding on his chest, trying to get him to wake up. Because, I, I will admit, I'm, I, I panicked. I should have, you know, maybe done CPR or, or something. I panicked. And it was the second time I screamed at her, Call 911, that he made this gasping sound. And he said,
0: I'm okay. I don't need 911.
1: Scared the living day. So now when he gets really, really laughing, we all kind of freeze. That's it. No more laughing. Stop laughing. You're not allowed to laugh. So he's generally a morose kind of guy. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, what is, what is going, uh, can you, I, can you guys hear that? I don't know if you can hear that. Yeah, Mythmaster is clawing at his cage. So, I think Ooh, maybe I... we should let him have his last say, and then I will have security escort him from the building. Ugh. Are you happy now, Mythmaster? Master? Be nice.
0: Oh, I bet you weren't expecting me in this podcast. It looks like Alan Russo is the next contestant in the open contract challenge. Congratulations. Maybe I'll see you soon.
1: <laughs> okay, security. Security ay, 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 ay. grab him, grab him, grab him. Oh no, grab him, grab him. Grab him. Grab him. Get him. Oh Okay. Security has him well in hand now. They are escorting him Bye Ma. Thanks for dropping by. I'll leave the cage there for you if you happen to stop by again. Ta-ta! Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, the Mythmaster has left the building. A little by force. You know, he was chained. Might have been a whip involved. But you know, he's gone now. Thank you, Mythmaster, for stopping by and making my podcast that much more fun. <laughs> And, um yeah, yeah, I still think you're a chicken. And, I mean, you threatened me and I stuck you in a cage. Come on, now. You've got to do better than that, dude. Really. Seriously. You've got to do better than that. I am not a warning. I am an example. Wait, that didn't sound right. Hold on. Hmm. I defeated you and you just cannot take defeat gracefully. Can you? You just cannot admit defeat. You are not a good loser. I need to teach you how to be a good loser. Love you, Mythmaster. <laughs> okay, so Alan Russo, Stephen Carr, you are the two next contestants in the open contract challenge. So so far we have Walter Esselman. Michael A. Arnold, Stephen Carr, and Alan Russo. Do not expect me next week to remember all six, unless I write them down. I only I can only remember four, because there's only four so far. Next week, I will... will, will, Look at that! Hey, this is pretty good. I made it 38 minutes before my tongue decided to go, Nope, we're done. So that's pretty good. Um... Next week, I will announce two more contestants in the open contract challenge. This is getting exciting. See, I don't even know who all the contestants are. So I find out the day I'm doing the podcast, I find out two, just two, the two that I'm to announce. And I decided this week I'd let Mythmaster do the honors because, you know, he was here anyway. So yeah. Steve Carr, Alan Russo, congrats. I hope you're listening. If you're not, sucks to be you. (laughs) You all should be listening. If you're all writers on the magazine, you should be listening to me annoy the hell out of you at least once a week because I put in a lot of hard work reading your stories and, you know, fixing punctuation if it needs to be fixed, capitalizing if it needs to be capitalized, Spelling a word correctly. All of that good stuff and making sure it's all in the right format and everything to send over to Dave so he can put it in. And, you know, I'm not perfect. I make mistakes, but I do my best. And y'all should be listening to me ramble at you once a week out of appreciation. Just throwing that out there. I would love it. <laughs> Thank you to the ones of, to, to those of you that do. Um, it's really nice when I get feedback on whether it's good or bad. I enjoy feedback on my podcast because then I know somebody listened to it. I have no idea if anybody actually listens to it until I see people say great podcast or, you know, make a comment about something I said in the podcast. Um, and then it's like, Oh, Hey, they actually listened to it. Awesome. Thank you. And I love the private messages and the private emails from everybody that listens and can relate to something that I've said, can connect with something that I've said. Uh, I don't always talk about serious issues, but when I do, it's nice to know that it's reached somebody out there. It's touched somebody out there. It's meant something to somebody out there because that's the point. It's not all about me. I know my write-up says it's all about me, but it's not all about me. My website's all about me podcast is about you. It's about the magazine. It's about the open contract challenge. It's about writing. It's eventually going to be about myth. I want to talk about myth. I want to talk about um, some of the great myths, some of the lesser myths, mythical creatures, how to create a mythical creature in a fantasy story. How do you do that? Are there rules? Things like that. So these are, these are going to be upcoming podcasts. I'm just tossing out some ideas here because we are the world of myth. Now, we're not just fantasy. We're sci-fi. We're horror. We're action suspense. We're comedy. We're fantasy. I said that already. We're poetry. We're artwork. We're everything, but we are the world of myth. So I want to touch on Greek mythology. I want to touch on Celtic mythology. I want to touch on um, Chinese folklore and Hungarian folklore, Ukrainian folklore, because I am half-Ukrainian. And I actually, you know, and Hungarian folklore, which I actually have to do some research into. I wrote um, a story for a monster that's coming out... I don't know when, but I'll tell you when it is. And part of the story is actually based in Hungarian folklore. So I had to make sure I had the Hungarian words correctly spelled, and that the word that I was using meant what I wanted it to mean, um, and that the folklore tale itself that I was using was accurate. So that's something, if you're going to use um, any kind of mythology or folklore from a particular culture, do your research. Make sure that the tale you're using, you've done the research and you're using it accurately, the way it was told. Now, you can take poetic license and modify it, you know, to suit your story. But the core basis of that folklore tale has to be rooted in the original, in, in, you know, based on a true story, <laughs> and that's what sounded like I was going with that, but, uh, yeah, so I want to start, uh, talking about things like that in my off weeks when I'm not talking about the magazine and all the wonderful things that are in the magazine, um... And I'm not being invaded by weird little cloaked myth masters. <laughs> so, I think I'm going to wrap it up for this week. I'm at almost 45 minutes. And I have said all I... Well, I didn't say all I needed to say. Myth said it all for me. So, <laughs> congratulations to Stephen Carr and Alan Russo for being the next two contestants in the Open Contract Challenge. And don't forget that on the 15th is the deadline for submissions to www.theworldofmyth.com. Thank you very much for the always entertaining Mythmaster for stopping by and commandeering part of my podcast and being a good boy and making those two announcements for me from his cage. Um, yeah, you can catch us on our website at www.theworldofmyth.com. You can find us over on Twitter at The World of Myth Magazine or the podcast on Twitter at TWOMBP. You can find us on Facebook at The World of Myth Magazine or The World of Myth Fits Podcast. You can find me on Facebook, at Stephanie Barty Author. I am also on Twitter, at Lupa B. I am also on Instagram, at uh, Stephanie Barty Author. (laughs) I had to think about that. Facebook is author Stephanie Barty. Twitter is, or Instagram is Stephanie Barty Author. Okay, and I'm sorry if you're getting sick of seeing all of the um, fitness posts and my treadmill workout summaries. It just helps me stay accountable to the people that I said that I was going to do this to. And it, it keeps me accountable to me because if I'm putting it out there, then, okay, you know, I haven't done a workout in a couple of days. I can tell I haven't done a workout in a couple of days. I need to go and do one, and it holds me accountable to myself. Holds me accountable to my very, very close friends who care about me and care about my health, and who are encouraging me, and some days inspiring me. So, sorry about that, but yeah, you're just going to have to get used to it. And eventually I'll be posting pictures of my physical progress. You'll be able to see it. I'm not quite there yet where I'm happy to post a picture of me. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. Nobody's happy in their own body. Um, it doesn't matter what size I'm going to be. I'm still going to look in the mirror and I'm going to find something wrong. I'm going to find something that looks big or looks misshapen or looks odd. I'm it's just the way I am. You know, body dysmorphia is not fun. So, yeah. And thank you, everybody, for your encouragement and your support. I really appreciate it. So, okay. Yes. I said I was wrapping this up, like, four minutes ago. So I am. Okay. So come check us out at www dot the world of mythcom Thank you Mythmaster I look forward to your next in, your next podcast which will come out the same day as the magazine and yeah you're still a chicken dude <laughs> you threatened me but yeah bring it bring it okay have a good night everybody see ya <laughs>
0: The world of myth bits.